Welcome to Animalia, where we connect animal enthusiasts with the latest in conservation, animal welfare, sustainability, and climate. I'm Anna Lee. And this is James. So today we're really excited to talk about how do we balance the human need to develop vaccines while doing so ethically. And in terms of ethically, we're specifically talking about um, animal testing um, around a wide range of animals, ranging from mice all the way up to primates, um, and in context with, the, of course, the urgent need to develop a vaccine for coronavirus. Um, correct? Yes, absolutely. So I guess uh, just starting with an update on, um, on corona, it's interesting to know this week that there was sort of a, a new path being pursued by a biotech company called Moderna, located in Boston, for skipping animal testing altogether. And it's caused a bit of a ethical debate okay. in the science community and the medical community. Um, Moderna is looking at this. Oddly enough, they're actually not looking at this for animal welfare. They're just looking at this for speed to market, mm-hmm. um, given that corona is, uh, you know, obviously a growing and growing issue on a global scale. Uh, and there's altering opinions that believe um, it's it's sort of unsafe to skip the animal testing um, and move right into human trials, which Moderna is doing. So I guess for start, let's explain everybody what Moderna is doing and how they're skipping the animal trials. Um, traditional vaccines, as most people know, actually include very small doses, doses of that virus and uh, small enough where they can't cause symptoms and, and, and sickness, but uh, enough so that the body um, gets used to, uh, is familiar with them and builds up immunity towards them. Now, in that traditional process, it's sort of required that you go through animal testing, which ranges all the way from mice and lab rats up to primates before testing on humans. And that is um, because of, you know, we're literally implanting the virus into people and there's a lot of downside, obviously a lot of risk there. And animal testing is something that is sort of, I don't know how you you describe it, Annalie, it's sort of kind of like uh, the world, it's sort of hidden from the world. And even though I would say more of an extreme way than, you know, the sort of livestock treatment is uh, for the meat industry, animal testing is kind of really behind a black curtain where, uh, very few people kind of even realize it's going on or sort of are very in touch with the conditions the animals go through. Yeah. But of course it's, it's necessary to continue developing vaccinations. And in the last 25 years, we've had SARS and MERS and swine flu and now coronavirus. And I, we anticipate these things that get worse, um, not better in terms of viral outbreaks. Um, and so it's important to accelerate vaccine development. So what Moderna is doing specifically is rather than putting a small dosage of a vaccine, of a, of a virus in you um, as, as a vaccine, they're actually creating a messenger RNA strand that in this case is um, sort of exactly what it's doing is it's sort of producing proteins similar to the protein um, that houses uh, COVID-19. So just to explain that a little bit, COVID-19 is a RNA strand that gets into cells and starts, you know, sort of uh, providing uh, messaging to 
uh, destroy those cells and then destroy the immune system. But it's housed in a protein casing. And that protein casing for COVID-19 is uniquely um, uh, positioned to uh, sort of break through into uh, those cell walls, especially in the respiratory system. That's a, forgive me for a very, very simpleton's uh, explanation of that. Um, But that's essentially what COVID-19 is. And so what Moderna is doing is they're creating a messenger RNA strand that will produce uh, tell the body to produce proteins similar to the protein casing of COVID-19 so the body gets used to and prepared um, to actually deflecting them. So rather than getting used to the virus itself, that RNA strand within the protein casing, uh, it's getting used to the casing. And so in this, in theory, has less risk um, in trial because they're not actually putting the virus uh, in, into, uh, into the vaccination. And that is what is allowing them to skip the animal trials and accelerate right into human trials, which are actually happening already in Seattle. Um, Now, the other side of the scientific community says this is not proven out yet. This method is uh, because it's not proven out. We should not be doing it or we should be doing it at a much slower pace. And we should be developing uh, COVID vaccinations with traditional systems. Mm -hmm. The complication there is... Uh, mice, which is a sort of stage one of animal trials for vaccinations, um, don't actually contract the virus as most sort of non-humans do. And so um, they're actually having to breed mice with the human molecule that helps coronaviruses sort of slip inside that that kind of protein um, casing that, you know, gets into the cells. And they're actually having to breed mice for uh, making them more susceptible to coronavirus, which is pretty sad when you think about it, that not only do we have to put animals through this, but now we're actually selectively breeding them um, in order for them to get sick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, for folks that don't understand much about mice or rats, they're actually highly, highly intelligent animals. Uh, be an interesting podcast some other time. Um, but there's a lot, I know we see them as rodents and, um, sort of uh, living in dirt and sewers, and but they're they're really intelligent animals that have a lot of awareness of what's going on. So there's an ethical angle with this altogether. Um, but essentially, what's happening is you have two sides now: the vaccination development debate happening with Corona. One is about speed, which is using this new system that does not use small doses of the virus itself, and is now in human trials. And the other one is a traditional system, but they're also trying to accelerate by selectively breeding mice to move the animal testing process along. So it's interesting to see right now that there's kind of a debate happening. And one of them is sort of a byproduct of it is totally skipping animal testing, which if it proves out um, valid um, would be kind of a breakthrough in of itself. Uh, But that's actually not the reason they're doing it. Right. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Kind of so that this is kind of a breakdown of what's happening with vaccination development for COVID right now, on um, around the topic of animal testing. Now, Annalie, you also watched a Vice documentary uh, that went deeper into sort of the modern realities of primate testing, correct? Yeah. So, I watched a Vice media documentary called "Experimenting on Animals," and they went to a research center in the Netherlands which is the largest testing facility in Europe. 
And I guess what was highlighted there was really that there are already research centers and, you know, scientists that are working towards making making these tests more humane. So in this particular facility, they basically considered themselves like more animal friendly because they mimicked the, I guess like the, the groups of primates and would have them all together in a more natural state, which essentially just means like a way bigger cage and where they all lived as, I guess, like a family. And they lived in their natural roles. And then they would have about 1600 animals and just 10% of them would move on to testing and the rest would continue to breed. And in a sense, these animals were partially socialized, so they would cooperate with the experiment. But it was still like kind of a gruesome process to see animals, you know, get injected uh, with certain things while still being conscious. And I guess one of the bigger takeaways was just the statistics that I learned. Like, for example, in the US, we use about 125,000 primates just for testing. It's like an insane amount of animals. And one of the things that they talked about was in terms of moving away from using so many animals, the scientists are essentially trying to figure out a way to mimic a monkey and a primate on a lab dish. So moving away from consistently testing on them and using either um, computer models, tissue cultures, um, organs on a chip, all of these like more newer innovations to essentially put animals or use less animals to begin with. Step in the right direction um, to sort of wean ourselves off of animal testing. Uh, folks have probably heard of, you know, stem cells before and stem cells being able to use to create organs um, and, uh, you know, tissue and, you know, other things um, in the, in the human body, but we're, you know, also be able to use stem cells to create kind of artificial um, ways of, of testing vaccinations. And it's still kind of a new, a new field. And like anything with, with vaccinations, I think it's, it's important to remember that it's, it's so critical to get things right and to go through a testing process um, because, you know, if anything is wrong when things are deployed at scale, like you can actually make problems much worse than, than better. Um, Mark Feinberg, who is the CEO of the International AIDS Vaccine, uh, Vaccine Institute, sort of believes that most vaccines uh, and current technologies should take 10 to 15 years to actually deploy. Um, we've gotten them down to one or one to two years. Um, but, but his point is like, really with current technology and the animal testing and human testing and things go through, it should take 10 to 15. And we really need to invest in new technologies to accelerate that. So just to sort of finish this episode, um, I think we wanted to go deeper into sort of the, the biggest technology change that will um, dramatically uh, change vaccine development and fully eliminate the need for animal testing is quantum computing. Um, and quantum computing uh, is you know, the easiest way to kind of summarize it um, for people that don't know much about the topic 
Um, it is, uh, it's not, it's not a new field of computing technology. The, the notion of, uh, quantum physics and, and, and quantum computing has been around for decades, but they're finally kind of in the last 10, 15 years, actually making quantum computers that can operate. Um, but essentially quantum physics is sort of, uh, kind of woven through a lot of the natural world and nature. Um, and the way we're, the way we're kind of bringing it to computing is if you think of, um, traditional computing, standard computing today as, uh, you know, binary, um, zeros and ones, right? So zeros and ones are sort of the sort of fundamental building blocks of every computation, um, in standard computing today. And, um, as an example of this, uh, did you see the matrix, Annalie? Yes. So for the, you remember the scene where they're showing, the the inside of the matrix itself and, it, and it's just a, a series of zeros and ones right yeah that's that's essentially how standard computing works um and so the most complex um algorithms and um uh you know skills that computers can do today you can it's sort of a build up in a lot of, of a bunch of zeros and ones mm-hmm. and you can combine zeros and ones in many infinite kind of number of combinations um, what co- quantum computing introduces is the notion that zeros and ones can uh, be both simultaneously. So you can have zeros, you can have ones, and you can have particles uh, called qubits that are both zero and one. And essentially, this allows um, these qubits and these particles to be able to sort of compute massive, large data sets simultaneously through a system called um, entanglement. Okay. And entanglement is when many particles are holding different information, but they're behaving as one. Um, so standard computing has to go through a linear progression yeah. of computation, um, which obviously can happen at millisecond speed, um, but it's still linear. Um, whereas quantum computing um, can uh, actually have multiple computations going on simultaneously because the, the, the qubits can, can take on um, you know, the binary position simultaneously. Um, again, like with vaccines, I'm giving a very um, simple, like pedestrian ex- explanation of it. Um, but if you, if you want to research quantum computing, it's, it's quite, quite interesting. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be folks listening to this that are going to correct me on many aspects as well, which feel, feel free. Um, so in terms of vaccines, what quantum computing opens up for us is the ability to develop and test much faster. Okay. So the development side means um, we, you know, can run, um, you know, many more versions of a vaccine and run common computations on it and simulations on it much faster and, uh, and sort of, you know, predict uh, at, a high, at, a high, at a more efficient speed what is the, you know, most, the, the sort of best, um, the best vaccination for a, a given uh, virus or, 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 or disease. But it's really the testing part where things really change with quantum computing and the kind of exciting part for us as, as wildlife and animal lovers um, that want to kind of wean um, animal testing out of the system. And that's because, it, you know, it's really hard to simulate the human body um, or the animal body for vaccine development, um, because there's so many variables, there's so much complexity, um, the number of variables you'd have to account for, um, the different types of, you know, conditions, um, you know, uh, uh, 
organic beings are in their environmental factors, all these things. Uh, it's, it's just way too much um, to compute um, today with standard computing technology. Some estimates say it could take, you know, um, you know, thir- like, you know, 30 to 40 years for some of the simulation computation uh, with standard computing. Um, but with quantum computing, all of a sudden, all of those variables can be tested uh, and, and these massive large data sets pretty simultaneously. And um, that can move that process into, you know, three to four weeks um, for sort of running a, a, a vaccination through uh, this, this, this number of simulations um, to see if it is viable and safe. And um, yeah, not only would that allow us to, you know, kind of get all away from animal testing, kind of gets us away from a lot of the human testing as well and just and just has a speed to market where you know you know imagine a world where we sort of can you know develop a vaccine for you know a virus a viral outbreak like covid within weeks which means in this case it would have probably never even gone past wuhan china yeah because we detected it so quickly um we also would have the the data to be able to run who is the most kind of susceptible so quickly based on that first case, based on that virus, and then develop that vaccine um, under a matter of weeks. And not only would it not hit the U.S. or not hit Europe, it wouldn't even have, it would not have even hit China to the degree that it's hitting uh, because it would have been contained, you know, relatively fast. So that's sort of the world that quantum computing opens up for us. That's amazing. I think that covers what we wanted to talk about today. we're all for any methods to get out of animal testing, um, but also acknowledge that, you know, I think your point on the on the primates and the in the the vice documentary is that while, you know, until we have quantum computing, until a system like Modern, uh, Modernus proves successful that they're trying for COVID, and we can get off animal testing, we can't avoid it altogether because we do need vaccinations and. Um, you know, we have to sort of uh, urge, um, put public pressure on companies to, you know, increase the humanity um, of how those things are done, um, because traditionally it's, it can be a, an absolutely brutal process for everything from lab rats up to right. primates. I think that wraps it up for today. Um, thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. We're just getting started with this. So if you have any topics uh, wildlife related that you want us to cover. Um, let us know. We're obviously going to try to keep things as kind of related as we can right now to the coronavirus, given it's on everybody's mind, which is totally fair. And we have a really cool digital conference coming up um, with our partners, say Pangolins, that we'll be announcing end of this week um, to uh, we're bringing together some of the, the best experts in the world to talk about the, or- the origin of this virus and where it likely started and how we can sort of prevent that from happening again. Yes, I'm so excited for that. More details to come. Follow us um, on Instagram at I Love Animalia. Um, check out our Facebook page. And soon we'll be on TikTok. Yep. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate Peace. you. Stay safe.